Acts chapter 8, starting at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down to, from Jerusalem to Gaza. Don't you love it when God sends you places and never tells you what you're supposed to do? I can think of multiple times in Scripture where it's like, Hey, leave all of everything you have here. Go over there. I'll, or I'll tell you where you're going to go. Just start walking. Oh, that sounds great. The angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury uh, of Candace, which means queen of Ethiopia. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Now, I just want to stop right there because I think the Bible is funny at times. I think, like some of you read the Bible like, uh. The spirit of God just told Philip, go near the chariot and stay by it. Chariots are pulled by horses. Horses walk faster than men do. Yes, Lord. <laughs> they must not agree with me in the back. They cut my mic off. <laughs> this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot, stay near it. And Philip ran to the chariot. Philip didn't have asthma. <laughs> Philip ran to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And Philip began with the very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And they gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. Father, we thank you for your word. Change us with it this morning, we pray. We pray that we'd be able to tune into your voice. And we'd be able to follow your direction, Lord. We thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray, and everyone said, amen and amen. All right, you may be seated. If you turn back to chapter 7 of the book of Acts, um, things started to go a little sideways for the new believers. Um, Acts is a very exciting book. The day of Pentecost, Jesus ascends at the beginning of it. The day of Pentecost comes, Peter preaches. It's filled with the Holy Spirit, preaches. 3,000 men get saved. It's just an unbelievable, come on, go into a crusade where 3,000 people get saved. That's a good day. The Bible says that signs and wonders are following the apostles and, and, and that in that the 
new church just has this amazing relationship with each other where they're meeting together and they're meeting in homes and eating together and they're selling property. They're making sure everybody's taken care of. I mean, it's a kumbaya moment. It's a little bit of a grace period there after the day of Pentecost. And then, and then something happens in Jerusalem and his name was Saul. And he started taking personal responsibility to shut this new movement down. And so, um, it kind of comes to a climax with a man named Stephen. And, and Stephen is, um, you know, kind of brought up on charges. And, and back then, there wasn't like a real long waiting period between accusation and, and laying out of punishment. So Stephen is stoned to death. And chapter 8 starts out, like if you just read chapter, like if you get up in the morning and read a chapter, I'm not saying that's bad, but you would start out your morning this morning with Acts chapter 8, and it would say, and Saul stood in approvement over the, over the death of Stephen. Basically, he stood in approved. Isn't that a great way to start out your morning? Ah, he stood in approvement of his death. So what happened was that pressure, that persecution on the church in Jerusalem caused them to spread out all over Judea, Judea and Samaria, all over that region, except for the apostles. They kind of, they kind of stuck it out a little bit, but it caused people to spread out. How many of you know that pressure in your life, bad situations in your life can oftentimes push you into areas that you never expected to go? Can I oftentimes push you, push you out into regions that you never anticipated because you were planning on just a good little nice life, put a little Jesus into it, and it's going to be great. And then the pressure came, and now all of a sudden you're living in a different town, ministering to different people than you would have ever met before. So this is what happens. And Philip finds himself in the area of Samaria, in a town of Samaria. Now, when he goes there, he's, he's experiencing a very successful ministry. He is laying hands on the sick. He's seeing demons cast out. I mean, this is, this is every seminary student's dream. Like, he rolls up into a new town and bam! I mean, everything breaks loose to the point that people are following him around trying to figure out how he's doing it. Like, I mean, he's, I mean, it's a very successful situation for Philip. But something intriguing happens, enough to have Luke write it down in the book of Acts. It says that, and the angel of the Lord said to Philip. Now, that is a common way that Luke talks, uses that phrase to talk about God speaking to somebody. And so Philip hears the voice of God telling him to go down the desert road. Now, a couple things strike me here. One is that in the midst of great amount of success, whether in ministry or outside of ministry, Philip could still hear the voice of God. You know, success can sometimes poison us a little bit, can it? I'm all for being successful. I want you to be successful. Don't get me wrong. But success can lead to maybe a mentality that we kind of know how it happens. I've done this before. I know how this works. I know what to do here. I know how it happens. I can make it happen. I could do this. I could do that. And what intrigues me is that in the middle of this ministry success, Philip is still in tune to the voice of God. Now, what also intrigues me is that Philip is given instructions to do something that's probably counter to what he had been doing. He's given instructions to walk down a desert road where there's probably not that many people there. Why wouldn't you keep me where the population is? 
Why wouldn't you keep me where all the people are? Why wouldn't you keep me laying hands on the sick? Why wouldn't you keep me casting out devils? You want me to stop all this and walk down a road that's really not that populated? Really not that many? You just want me to go? Why? Why would I do that? And it reminds me of a story we talk about often here. Peter in the miraculous catch of fish when Jesus is teaching on the side of the seashore. And he, and he tells Peter's been fishing all night. They've wrapped up their nets. They're done. And Jesus says, hey, can I get in your boat? Push out a little bit. I'll finish teaching the people. And he does that. And then, and then he tells Peter, go ahead and throw your net out again. And he's like, why? <laughs> That's the Jones paraphrase of, of that story. Why? been fishing all night, caught nothing, kind of know what I'm doing. And Jesus, but he says, because you say so, I'll throw out the net. So he throws out the net. And on one of, I believe one of the most successful days Peter's ever had fishing. I mean, he's fishing so much that the current equipment he has a fish with is, is breaking down because of the weight of the fish. He's got to call his friends over and he fills two boats up to the point where it almost sinks both of them. He comes up on shore and Jesus says, Hey, drop your nuts and come follow me. Well, that sounds like a great idea. Most of us in those circumstances are thinking like this. If I can have Jesus show up every day at 8 o'clock and fish with me, I'll be the most successful person the church has ever seen. And so I don't want to do what he says. I want to do the same thing I've been doing for a long time and sprinkle a little Jesus on it. Because now I don't have to fish overnight. I can go to bed when my wife goes to bed. And I don't have to be tired during the day. And I can, I can just go out there. And if I just get Jesus to show up in the boat three days, I can only work three days a week now. To get him to show up in the boat, I could have ten boats out there now because of Jesus. Show me where to put the net down, man. If I could just get him in the boat with me doing what I want to do, and then everything will be better. And so we organize our lives like that. We, we actually don't try to hear the voice of God, we try to have the voice of God confirm what we're already doing. I've planned my life out. I've, I've, I've directed my steps. I've done all these things. And I think I'm pretty successful at it. And I think it's going to work. And I just want Jesus to come in, remove my anxiety, give me peace so that I can keep doing what I want to do. And in the middle of Philip's success, he hears the voice of God and it says, don't do what you're doing now. Walk down this road. And I want to tell you that the modern day Christian, the modern day church has difficulty hearing God's voice. It's usually not screaming at you. (laughs) It's usually pretty quiet. So the issue is, is we have, to, we have to start to figure out what are the squeakiest wheels in our life. What are, what are the things we're giving the most attention? What's, you've heard the squeakiest wheel gets the grease. Well, modern day, the squeakiest wheel gets all the money, right? It's usually one of your kids. <laughs> really, another $20. Oh, my goodness. So what happens is we pay attention to the thing that causes the most noise in our life. Oh, come on. We pay attention to the thing causing the most noise in our life, and God oftentimes whispers. We pay attention to the thing that causes the most noise. So it's my job right now, or it's our finances, or it's our marriage, it's our kids, it's the, it's the, it's my schooling. It's, it's the fact that he won't go out with me again. It's the fact that she wants to go out with me again. It's the fact that, mm-hmm. So, 
So we, we, we focus our attention on these things. And the whole time, God is out there consistently trying to communicate with us for our good, for our benefit, and for, in fact, the benefit of others. But we are so in tune with the issues and the daily rhythms of our lives that we oftentimes just assign his his confirmation on our lives into what we're doing. We're going, I'm headed down this road and I'm praying that God blesses it instead of saying, I will not be anxious about all these things. I need to hear from God to make sure I'm doing something he can bless. In all of this, Philip can still hear God's voice. I believe that the rhythms of our life need to change a little bit because the most... Actually, the most important thing you could do is hear God's voice. Because that'll keep you from being in a job the rest of your life that you hate. Like, before you get married, it's really important that you hear the voice of God. You're getting ready to commit until death do us part. And I don't think you want to murder rap. You know what I'm saying? I don't think this... Like when you're getting ready to have kids, isn't that a beautiful time to hear God's voice? Isn't, isn't it a beautiful time to restructure your life so I can make sure that I hear from the one who created me, who is destined, who has destiny in front of me? Isn't it? So, so what we have to do is we have to kind of restructure our life in order to hear from him. We have to, we have to push down the things that are making so much noise. Romans 12, two says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Ah, that's a hard thing to do, isn't it? feel like we're always getting pushed into the pattern. What do I, what do I need to be worried about? What do I need to, everybody else is doing this. I need to, I need to, everybody else is freaking out. I need to, don't be conformed to that pattern. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We should be praying in the morning, God, renew my mind. I don't want to work with the same old mind that I've had before. I need a new one that I can hear your voice. And and the beautiful thing about that is, is he's given us disciplines to be able to renew our mind. He's given us a book. It's got a beginning and an end. And the beautiful thing about this book is you can read it over and over and over and over again. 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 And the more you read it, the more it benefits you. And the more you read it, the less anxiety you have. And the more you read it, the less stress you have. And the more you read it, the better your relationships are. The more you read it, the better your marriage is. The more you read it, the better your kids are. The more... Come on. Come on, you can't get that from Moby Dick, all right? You're like, I've been, I've been reading a chapter out of Moby Dick, every, you know, from the beginning of my life. And my life is great. No, it's not. You just know a book. The Bible is a transformative book empowered by the Holy Spirit, breathed by the breath of God, to transform your mind. We couple that with the discipline of prayer, where we're reading the Bible and then praying back to God and, 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 and praying what we read. It causes us to live a more holy life, live a less sinful life, to, to confess our sins. Do you realize uh, LifeWay Research did a study that said... Um, Watch this. People that confess their sins on a regular basis tell other people about Jesus more. Can you believe that? The Bible was right. (laughs) 
Confess your sins to one another and you'll be healed. Sick people don't talk to people. But we can confess our sins to one another and be healed. And then all of a sudden we hear from God. Then all of a sudden there's no blockage in the system. All of a sudden the, the blood of Christ has made us whole and we've been forgiven. And we've got, this, we've got this pathway now to him where we can hear his voice. Come on, why don't we have a discipline of confessing our sins on a daily basis? Don't let them pile up. Parking spaces close to the church. (laughs) Is your life designed so you can hear God's voice, prayer, the Bible, confession? Philip heard the voice of God and he goes down this road. There wasn't a lot of detail. You know, I often think that some of the thing that keeps us from obeying the voice of God is we're afraid of being weird. Um, I believe the Bible is relevant in every season of life. It doesn't matter. It's relevant in every decade, every century. It's relevant no matter what is going on. He keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. How can that be uh, irrelevant any time in human history? How can, how can the God of the universe care so much about you that he sacrifices? How can that be not relevant in any portion of human history? It's always relevant. The issue is, is, is in the context of us sharing it, we, f- we can have a feeling of weirdness sharing something that's actually relevant. And, and let me point this out. Let me make this observation. You guys got up this morning. Roughly, it started at 9.45, so some of you got up at 9.15. Slept in your clothes. You're like, Lord, I'm ready for church. You got up early today on a Sunday. You came to a building to sing songs none of your friends know. Some of you lifted your hands to songs that none of your friends know. And then there's an offering plate passed, and you reach down in your pocket, and you put money in the plate. And then you're going to sit here for another half an hour, 40 minutes, and listen to somebody that your friends don't know talk about something, talk about a topic that your friends probably don't know about. Can I let you in on something? You're already weird. (laughs) You're not sleeping off a hangover. You're in church. You're already different. You're already, you think you're hiding it. Like, what did you do last Sunday? Dude, I went to church at 930 in the morning. And they're like, ooh, what'd you do that for? I not only went, I volunteered and gave money. You're already a little bit weird in society's eyes. The reason I know this is that we talked about the Ford uh, thing the beginning of September, is there's 112,000 people in Berkeley County, and statistically, 77,000 of those people never darken the door of the church even once a month. So you're going to talk about a subset of society. The people that go to church, about 30, uh, well, about 40,000 people go to church at least once a month in Berkeley County, statistically. You're already part of a small group. 
So that, but what the devil does is, is tries to trick us into the idea that if, if we go to work and talk about the things of God, that we're all of a sudden not cool anymore. That we're all of a sudden weird. That we're all of a sudden uh, uh, out of place. That we're, we're all of a sudden n- n- not, not cool. And, and what, Can we honestly take a look at Philip? Philip is going to walk down a road. He has no idea why he's walking down the road. And, and he's, just, he, he's just doing it uh, because he heard God's voice say to do it. Now, he didn't say anything weird. He's just walking down. And then he finds himself maybe running beside a chariot. Okay. Hey, you training for something, buddy? God told me to run. Stay close to this guy. Got no idea. But you know when all the weird stuff vanishes is when the light bulb clicks on. Ah, so beautiful. All the weirdness goes away. You've heard God's voice. You're a little bit intimidated. You're going, God, this is going to look weird. This is going to be strange. I don't even know this person. Lord, I don't know what to do. And we, and we bring up all these excuses. And then you hear it. He was led to slaughter like a sheep. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. Wait a second. That's Isaiah. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This Ethiopian, this official of Ethiopia is coming from Jerusalem. And I heard the voice of God and I'm running beside this chair. And I hear him talking about Jesus from the pen of Isaiah. Are you kidding me? What are the chances of that? There are no chances for that. That's what God set up. We talked about this a little bit. Um, there's a couple that uh, purchased a, a playhouse. And I know I keep talking about it, but we, we were just able to deliver it on Friday. And I want you to see how weird plays out. We, um, so, so this amazing couple in the church go and they, and they go to auction. I think they're skipping church. I think they're going to hell. You know, I've already made judgment on them. Like they weren't in church this morning. What were they doing? What were they thinking? And then I get a call that afternoon saying, Hey, Chris, we've never done anything like this. We bought this, we bought this playhouse and, uh, and we, uh, like, if I'm not mistaken, they had met somebody a couple of days before this couple had never been to beauty for ashes, by the way, never even been on the property. They had met somebody a couple days before who had volunteered and worked down at that house. And it had been fresh in their minds, hear the voice of God. But fresh in their minds, they go to an auction for the Berkeley County Backpack Program. They spend a lot of money buying a playhouse. When they call me, I think, oh, cute playhouse. When I see the picture, I'm like, playhouse. So, so they said, hey, can you help us get it down there? I'm like, yeah. I'm not thinking. I'm just like, yeah, man, this is perfect. Until I started calling guys to tow it down there. First couple of guys I've talked to, they, the, the guy literally says, why didn't you just buy one down there? And I went, well, I don't know. <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> and so I tried to stumble through an explanation. Well, they wanted to benefit the backpack program. He wasn't buying any of it. He was just like, man, it costs you an arm and a leg to get it down there. It doesn't make any sense. And I was thinking, yeah, it doesn't. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. Why'd they ask me to get it down there? It just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so I finally call a guy. 
He's an old timer, been doing it a long time. And he says, Chris, I'll make you a deal. So he gave me a really good deal. Cash money. <laughs> Plug your ears. So he says, listen, I tell him a story. And he's like, oh, okay. He's not really enamored by it necessarily. And so I have some, he comes out to the church here, checks it out. We load it up and uh, we have some interaction. Super nice guy. And uh, starts telling me about his life a little bit. And um, so I'm like, man, that's cool. So uh, we leave Friday morning, a group of us. There's, there was, uh, I think, about six of us that went down. And uh, we leave Friday morning. And he had taken the building and took it to his house. And so I was kind of praying to God, like, hey, I hope he delivers it. You know, it's a real nice building. So um, he's, got a, he's taking the long way around. And we're taking the short way. And um, we're thinking we're going to get there way before him. So we stop by Lowe's, get some blocks and all this stuff. We actually literally meet him right at the gate at the same time. It was unbelievable. I was like, that was you, God. Right? So we meet at the gate at the same time. I pull in first, open the gate. And then he pulls in behind me. We come rolling in. We see Cindy and the ladies. And, and it's just a really cool deal. So, And he's a fun guy. So he gets the thing backed in. And we, and we set it down, and it's beautiful. And everybody's like, oh, man, this is amazing. We're taking pictures. And then I started realizing what was supposed to happen. So Cindy goes, hey, do you guys want to see? Come on. You know, the people that have bought the, the building and never been in the house, come on, let's go look through the house. I've already told all the ladies you're coming through. And so we start going in the house. Joe comes with us. The guy that was toe in the building comes with us and I'm like yeah man come on in Joe see the see the house look at all the stuff that's been done so I mean we walk through the whole place I show him the 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 equipment room like I'm just going in there looking at the sprinkler system you know important things so he sees the whole room the whole house we go to the offices show him the office then we go into the chapel we go upstairs to the chapel this used to just be a garage. Go upstairs of the chapel. And unbeknownst to me, there was no plan. I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't like I was, had heard from God to the point that I'm like, oh man, we're going to get Joe in here. We're just going to hit him with the gospel. <laughs> we stand up in the top of that building for what, 20 minutes? And Joe, the truck driver, hears the story of how 1996 God spoke in the life of Cindy Zello and spoke into the life of a man that owned 60 acres in a big house in Fredericksburg at the same time, unbeknownst to each other, and then weave their lives together in a miraculous way to provide a home for women and children. And God's grace and mercy was rescuing people and saving people. And I'm looking over and Joe's going like this the whole time. You see, it's weird until you actually hear him reading Isaiah. When you're running beside the chariot, it feels weird. You don't know why you're doing it. You don't know why God's asking. Like, I'm just supposed to keep up. I don't know what to do. And then you hear, he was led like a, like a sheep to the slaughter. And you realize, that's it. That's why I'm here. That's what the reason, that's it. That's it, God, you orchestrated this whole thing. I, I, I felt a little out of place, a little weird. I should have been back over there. I was having so much success. And now I'm over here on the desert road. You told me to get beside this chariot. I don't know why. And then he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. That's Isaiah. That's talking about Jesus. You know what that means? 
how do I know what it means unless somebody tells me, hey, can you come on up? Yeah, I can come up in there. I'm tired of running. <laughs> yeah, I can come up in there. He gets in the chariot. And from that scripture forward, it explains to him the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ and how God sent Jesus to save the world. And the Ethiopian eunuch accepts Christ, something that seemed so, why would I do this? God, but he was in tune enough to hear God's voice and didn't care about being just a hair different. And a man who had dabbled in Jewish religion enough to make a, make a trip to Jerusalem and back now knows the Savior of the world. And, and Friday, a guy who was just pulling a trailer down seemed somewhat probably insignificant. We were paying him enough to use his whole day. Comes beauty for ashes, and here's a story about how the blood of Jesus can rescue the worst of us. The, can rescue the people that people have given up on, can rescue the people with addiction, can rescue the people with no hope. And that he will orchestrate people's lives for 20 years to make sure that happens. And I know that man, maybe for the first, second, third, I don't know how many times, just heard a clear presentation of the gospel. And so if it means buying a playhouse, spending too much money on it, and having it transferred across state lines so that one man can hear the gospel, I pray that you would hear the voice of God and act on it and be just a little bit weird. Just a little bit different. Why'd you do that? Why didn't you just buy one down there? Because it's not what God told me to do. Now, can I, can I give you a little tip here? Because I want to make sure that we do this effectively, okay? I want to make sure that we're effective when we're going to spread the God. I want to make sure we're effective when we're talking to people. Don't walk into your office tomorrow and look at your boss and say, God told me do that don't do that don't just walk god told me you notice if philip didn't walk up to the chair and go god told me no he just did what god told him to do and then the opportunity prevented presented himself you have to run around like some spiritual weirdo goofball god told me god told me god told me god showed me out a dream god showed me you were in it and everybody's looking at you like what no, just do what he's asked you to do. You don't have to act like you're some huge spiritual expert. God, God showed me, God told me, God did. No, no, no. I'm just going to follow what he, what, he, what he whispers in my ear. I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to do that. And then when the opportunity presents itself, Philip took advantage of it. You see, the problem is, is that oftentimes in our work environment, we're hearing things that sound like problems when the voice of God would tell you that's actually an opportunity. When you're saying, I'm sick of this person complaining about their health. I'm sick of this person showing up late to work. I'm sick of this person not carrying their own weight. Well, you know what? The voice of God would tell you that's an opportunity. Not to walk in and say, God told me, but to walk in and say, man, you know what? Can I pray for you? The grace of God, the God has a power. I care about you so much and I hate to see you suffer like this. Could I pray for you today? Same Jesus, the same God that raised, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. I think we have a golden opportunity 
as a church, don't we? With as much anxiety as running around in people's lives, with as much chaos that's happening across our world, with as much fear, that we have the opportunity to walk in, hear the voice of God, and then just follow what he says. It doesn't have to be crazy. It doesn't have to, it just has to be, hey, wait a second. Did I just hear he was reading from Isaiah? Wait a second. You, you just brought this building down here? Why don't you come in and hear the story? Why aren't you freaked out? Why don't you come in and hear the story? Why, why, why aren't you scared now? Why don't you come in and hear the story? All Philip did was he got to come in and tell the story. And that's what God's calling us to do. There's no perfect formula. There's no, there's no perfect little recipe for it. Just hear the voice of God and take advantage of the opportunity. Amen. Come and stand to your feet. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes? Maybe this is the first time you walked in this church this morning. Maybe it's the first time you've heard that Christ died for you. Maybe it's the first time you've heard that, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Maybe it's the first time that you're experiencing peace in your life. Maybe it's the first time that kind of the chaos has been pushed off to the side. I would tell you to embrace that today. Accept Christ and what he has done for you. Let him be Lord over your life. Let him forgive you of your sins this morning. The Bible says if we're faithful to confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. That he will give you grace and mercy this morning as you have never experienced it to this day. You will be free, you'll be forgiven, and you'll inherit eternal life. Let him forgive you today. Let him save you today. Let him redeem you today. Let him set you free today. Don't wait another second. This is your Ethiopian eunuch moment. This is the moment where you can where you can surrender yourself to God. This is the moment where you hear the truth. This is the moment. Just go ahead and surrender yourself to him. Just go ahead and do that. And then if you're here this morning and you say, man, it's tough for me to hear God's voice. I've got all this chaos in my life. Come on, can we not follow the pattern of this world today? Can we make a commitment to each other and to God that we will clear out the chaos so we can hear the still small voice of the Lord, that we can hear when he speaks to us and we can act on it. Can we make that commitment this morning? Father, we ask today, uh, you're saving people right now. You're, you're redeeming people right now. You're forgiving them of, of their sins right now, Lord. And Lord, for others, you're giving them you're giving them the clarity they need to hear you, Lord. You're giving them the boldness they need to push things aside in their life and listen to you. You're giving them the, the power to create disciplines in their life to know your voice. And God, as a church, we pray that every step that we take, Lord, what you would direct, Lord, that we would be willing to walk down the other road. Lord, we'd be willing to do it the hard way. We'd be willing to, to go out of our way to help others, Lord, even when it doesn't make any sense. Give us the courage and boldness to do that, Lord. And we will give you all the honor and the praise forever and ever and ever. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, church, could you lift your voice? Could you clap?